0: You craven already? Well if I don't know you then I hope by the end of the service today I get to meet you. My name is Jamie and I am Joel's wife. I said last night I am first a child of God but then secondly I'm Joel's and Pastor Joel is in Edmonton today. He did a young adult service last night for one of the churches that we are connected with in our network and this morning he's preaching two Sunday services so we're happy for him right? And if any of you are like, oh I miss Joel. I miss Joel too, so we're on the same page. Um, you know what, since Joel's not here, let me just say this really quickly. I love that man. And I think, I don't always get to stand up here and talk to you And any things he does to try and make me uncomfortable. That's really his goal sometimes when he's preaching. Like, it's good most of you guys can't see my face because I'm like, mm, and my toes are curling. My mother-in-law knows exactly what that's like. Um, but I'm not going to say anything embarrassing about Joel. What I'm going to say is that man is the exact same behind the pulpit as he is at home, rolling around on the floor with this one and our two boys. He's fantastic. So golf clap for Joel. <laughs> but really, what we're here is for Jesus, because we are craving Jesus. This is a hungry church, is it not? And when we've been doing this series on crave. It's really hit me in different areas, and I encourage you... Go to our podcast, go to our website, listen to some past messages, because today is the last day of Crave. You know, before we pray, the purpose of this morning, um, I can explain it to you basically in a quote. There's an old-time letter that's been circulating around, and it's a letter from John G. Lake, um, who was a, a missionary, to his friend. And he's basically telling his friend, He's really been getting caught up in the work on the mission field and things have been, you know, he's been running into a few things. And his friend writes back a lot of encouragement. But the basis of that letter is he tells John G. Lake, you know what I want to do in this letter? I want to hold up Jesus for you so that you can see him from every side. And this is what he says. So that you can see how transportingly beautiful he is, how all-sufficient he is, how he fills all in all, how he meets every need and satisfies every longing that's the Jesus that we're craving let's pray father God I thank you for the opportunity to deliver your word this morning Lord I make myself available and I thank you Lord that your word is living in act we all have ears to hear what you are saying this morning father I thank you Lord that it's not me but it's you and we believe that together in Jesus name amen have Has anyone ever had a craving so intense before that it woke you up in the night? Now, only the women in this room could say, yeah, I've been pregnant before. But I've had three babies so far, and I have been severely disappointed at my lack of cravings, (laughs) mostly because the wonderful man I'm married to, he would be the type to go out and get whatever I'm craving at midnight. And I just didn't really have any. With Jace, I craved oranges. Um, And then, you know, they take away those Christmas oranges after Christmas. Did anyone know that? (laughs) That was really disappointing. Um, But with one other pregnancy, I had a craving for velvet taco. Velvet taco is in Fort Worth, Texas. (laughs) And I had velvet taco when we were at a minister's conference, and I was 12 weeks pregnant. It was amazing. Tacos are by far my favorite food. But this taco menu is gigantic. You can get any type of taco out there. My husband hates tacos. He found a zillion things he loved because there's so many options. My favorite was cheeseburger taco. Take a cheeseburger, rip it up basically, throw it in a taco. It was amazing. The The problem was we don't live in Fort Worth, Texas. So we come back, and I'm so sad because I am waking up in the night thinking about it, so much so that I googled it in the middle of the night once to think, maybe there is a velvet taco just somewhere closer than Fort Worth, Texas, and there wasn't (laughs) at all. But that's my only example of a craving I have had so urgent in the natural, but man, I have experienced cravings in the spirit for Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, the thing is, I don't think anyone in this room is craving velvet taco right now, right? Now Dave's kind of (laughs) looking at me like, hmm. Now Dave may be thinking of a taco he's eaten before and thinking, yeah, that, that sounds good. But he's not having a craving for velvet taco because he has never had it. He's never tasted it. The thing about craving something, the thing about craving God, is you can't have a craving for him if you haven't tasted him. So that is one of my desires this morning, is that even for those of you who would say, I'm passionately pursuing God, of course I'm craving him, that you would taste a different aspect of him, that you would be reminded of a different part of Jesus this morning, and you'd crave that even more, all right? So let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 42. We're just looking at a quick example of a craver, a man who craved God like no one else, and that was David. You can read all through the psalms how much he longed for God. In Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2, we're going to put it on the screen there in the Amplified. Um, It says, As the deer pants longingly for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul, my life, my inner self, it thirsts for you, God, for the living God. A craver is someone who desires God above all else right? David was such an amazing example of that. He was hungry for God. Despite stuff that was going on, he craved him. Another Psalm, this is my favorite crave verse of all the crave verses, is Psalm 27 verse 8 in the Amplified. And it says, this is David talking to God and he says, you have said, so God, you have said this to me. You've said, seek my face Inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. And this is David's response to God. He says, okay, God, my heart says to you, your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek. Inquire for and require of necessity. A craver is someone who sees something in the word and responds to it. Right? David heard God calling, come to me, come to me which the invitation to all of us to come to God has been sent. Now, a craver would respond to that. A craver would see something in the Word and say, yeah, I, I agree with you, God. Is that not right? Yeah. That's a craver. Now, someone here has got to be thinking right now, that is so great for David. He was so passionate. You know, I've heard a lot of people say about Joel, man, Joel's just so hungry for God. And they say it in a way that's like, oh, I wish I could be hungry for God like Joel's hungry for God. And I always think, oh, that's so sad because God is not going to reveal himself just to Joel, right? God is for whosoever. Any one of us can crave God as much as we want. Any one of us can change our cravings. Like, I hope no one sits in here today and goes, well, I don't have a craving for God, so I'm just going to tune out right now. Because you can change your cravings just like you can in the natural. So there's this belief out there in the world and it's called fatalism and it's yucky because fatalism believes that whatever, basically whatever will be, will be. Whatever is happening in my life is just what's happening in my life and pff, you're powerless to change it. Now even sadder than fatalism would be spiritual fatalism or, or spiritually believe, or believing in, in the spirit realm, in spiritual things like a craving for God, that that's all you have. I've experienced this with God, and that's really all there is, and, you know, I'm, I've just never been a passionate person. My family's not passionate about God. We just kind of have read the Bible sometimes. That's not at all how Christianity's set up. We're not just sitting here with, well, uh, however passionate you are, Eric, is... That's as passionate as you're ever going to be. That's not at all how God set it up. So there are things called crave changers. Can you say that? Crave changers. So if I had to call this message something today, I would call it crave changers. Because like I said, we can change our crave. So there's a verse we're going to camp out at um, today. And it's 1 Peter chapter 2. It's verse 2 and 3. And I'm going to look at it in the Passion Translation. Pastor Joel's been reading from that a lot recently because it brings out things in a very passionate way. You guys are all so busy turning in your your word. Good for you. First Peter 2, verse 2 and 3, I put the Passion Translation up there so you can read along. It says, in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave... The pure spiritual milk of God's word for this milk will cause you to grow into maturity fully nourished and strong for life the next verse says especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of the Lord and have experienced his kindness this verse is a crave changer and what's a crave changer, changer. So let's take a look at these two verses in a bit more detail. The first word there is that we are told, in the word, we're actually commanded to do what? In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, we're supposed to crave. crave. Everyone say crave. crave. We're told that we're actually supposed to crave something. Now, this same word crave that's used here is the one that we just read in Psalm 42 when we started when David was saying, God, I crave you like a deer who needs water. Now, none of us are deers, but I know that we've had that intense, in fact, I'm, as I talk about it, I'm getting it now, that intense desire for water. I need water. That same word crave is the same word here. Crave. Hi and bye. <laughs> See you, London. What are we told to intensely crave in these verses? we're told to intensely crave the Word of God. And not only does it say the Word of God, in some translations it says the pure, the unadulterated, the untainted Word of God, the way that God showed it to me, that to crave the pure Word without our opinions put on top of it. Because a lot of times we can read the Word and filter it through what we've been taught, what we've seen in church growing up, our own um, pride really, our own thoughts, our own opinions. Has anyone ever done that? Read the word and you filter it through what you think that it should say? No, we're told to crave the pure word. In this series earlier, Joel had said, I encourage you to let God speak for himself. And that's what I would say when you crave the word. When you open it up, ask the Holy Spirit, Teach me, Holy Spirit. I don't want to read between the lines what I think it says. Teach me what your word really says. Let God speak for himself. He's got a lot to say, right? So we're told to crave this word because, you know what, we often hear people who will say, you know what, yeah, I crave God, I crave God, but my time in the word it just uh, not really interested. You know that's not possible because a craving for God and a craving for the word, those are synonymous, right? God and his word are one. So if you're looking to increase your crave level, I would say let's do this verse, let's be doers. Let's crave this word without our opinions attached. So looking a little bit more at craving the word, we're supposed to crave it, it says, let's go back to the beginning, in the same way that a nursing baby cries out for milk. Now, it's great that I just had three kids in five years because I've had a lot of experience recently with babies and milk. (laughs) Now, babies are born, a healthy baby is born with that instinctive desire for milk, right? They don't need to be taught like, hey, this is milk, and you should probably drink it. And they're like, no, I'd rather have a Coke. Babies are born instinctively like, I need milk, right? You can hear it in their cry right away. Now, a healthy Christian would have that same desire for the milk of the word, wouldn't they? Healthy babies born, they instinctively crave that milk. If you want to gauge where your crave is at, if you want to gauge where your health of your Christian life is at, just be honest and ask yourself, do I desire the word? Am I interested in the word? And you know what? I encourage you, if your answer is, nah, not really, Pay attention today to some of these crave changers because there's there's never condemnation but there's just always more of God, yeah. right? You could change that crave today. Just like if you prefer to crave cheeseburgers, you know that you could change your crave to kale salad? I've seen it done in my husband <laughs> and he's admitted to you guys that he now craves kale salad. Mind you, those those sweet little cranberries on top so maybe he just craves the sweets, I don't know. But you can change your crave. Um, and you can change your crave for the word as well. So babies, and a healthy baby instinctively desires this, but not only that, depend on milk for their life, right? I couldn't, um, when London was first born, I couldn't just be like, ah, you know what? I'd rather just keep sleeping when she gets up and cries for milk. It's not possible, because those babies, they need that milk for life. Did you know that that's the same way that God created us? That we need, Aaron already talked about this this morning in his exhortation. We need this word to live. That reminds me a lot of Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. You can, t- can, t- can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, this is Jesus speaking, and he's actually telling this to the devil because he's tempting him. And he's saying, Jesus replied, It is written, Man shall not live and be upheld or sustained by bread alone. So man shouldn't live by just natural food, right? What does he say we need? But by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Or in the message it says, we live by a steady stream of words that come from God's mouth. This is what we need in order to live. And yes, our flesh is loud. And when you're hungry, like does anyone get woken up by hunger pains in the night? Is it just me, because I'm still nursing a baby? (laughs) I'm sure you've craved a sandwich in the night, no? no? (laughs) Well, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I guess my flesh is loud. When I am hungry, I need to eat. I need to eat multiple times a day, just small bits at a time. Um, I know some of you guys, I've seen you get hangry. I know that that happens to some of you. Our flesh is loud, but you know what? Our spirit, it craves this word to live more even than your physical body needs that food. Our spirit, sometimes we we don't hear that still small voice, but it is crying out. It's saying, feed me that word. I need that word. And you know why? Because we need that word to stand on. We need something to base our lives on. If we're not craving this word or, or making it essential to our life, if we're not actually doing Matthew 4 verse 4 that says, you know, you need this word. Every word that comes from the mouth of God, you need it. If we're not doing that, in tough times, what are you going to stand on? Like your opinion? What someone else says? It doesn't work. Now let's get back to 1 Peter 2 because it says that this milk, this word, it says what it's going to do for you. It says that it's going to cause you to grow into maturity fully nourished, and strong for life. You know, there's a lot of spiritual babies out there, and so it's really great to grow up. So great that we even did a series last year called Grow Up. But how do you grow up without this? There's no way to become a mature Christian without this word. This is what grows us up. Now, I wanted to give an example of when I started to desire this word, when I started to grow up as a Christian or get get this craving to be in the word when I was 16 we went to a um, was a youth and young adults conference in the States It's my first time ever being in a place where there's like 3,000 young people raising their hands to Jesus I was like overwhelmed in a good way that's where I recommitted my life to the Lord came back and just continued on getting plugged into my church and you know, no one ever stood over me and said, you have to be passionate for God. You better crave God. My parents didn't. My pastor didn't. It's not, that's not what you do. But there was something in me because I saw something in the word, and I started to, to need it. I started to feed on it. I started to crave it. I would come home from church on a Sunday and go down to the basement and I'd take my little notes. At our church, they handed out a piece of paper with fill in the blanks for notes because my pastor was a teacher. Um, and no one asked Joel to do, that because, to do that because there will be no way for <laughs> you to fill in the blank with his message. And then I would copy that into my pretty little journal. And I would do that every week. And it wasn't because someone told me to, it was because I was developing a craving for God. You don't want to develop a craving because Pastor Joel stood up here and said you should crave God. You want to develop a craving because when you taste this thing, man, you cannot get enough of it. Now we're gonna we're gonna talk about that here because the next verse, the very next verse after telling us we're supposed to crave the Word, that we need it for life, that we're supposed to crave it like a baby craves milk, the next verse says, "Since you have had a taste." Of the goodness of the Lord and experienced his kindness you know if you were to put those two verses together this is what it would say crave God's word since you've tasted the goodness and kindness of the Lord crave this word since you've tasted how good and how kind God is so having a taste of God is another crave changer that is what will change your crave There's no way that you can sit here and go, oh, I wish I was just more passionate about God. I wish I was basing my life on his word. It doesn't work that way. You've got to get a true taste. Now, when you look at that word, taste, like because you've had a taste, no no word in the word, (laughs) no word in the Bible is there by accident, right? That word, taste, is intentional. Because taste means that you have experienced it for yourself. Right? Now with taste, you cannot taste at a distance. Like some of you have, oh, the enses aren't here. Normally at this time is when they pass out mints to their row. That's <laughs> not that. And so right now is when like everyone can hear the mints and you start to crave that <laughs> mint. But if the enses were here passing out mints, I wouldn't be able to taste it from here. Right? Because I'm at a distance. I could see that they're passing out mints, and I could definitely hear. <laughs> they are passing on this, <laughs> but I wouldn't be able to taste it. You cannot taste at a distance. Cannot taste by just observing God. By coming to church and just looking at the worship team. <laughs> I love Pastor Sheila's exhortation today because she said, "Don't let them just sing to you. Right? We're singing with them to Him." Some people have have come up to us after the service sometimes and said, you know, that worship service was so, so moving. That was amazing. And then some other people just look like, man, they just sang songs, right? I would venture to say that person was probably just observing, where the other person was participating. They were partaking of it. We can go through a lot of our Christian life not tasting of God, just observing him. You know, actually, you could read this word a lot of times without ever tasting it because when you just read it as words on a page, you're not letting it get into you. This is how God said it to me. He said, don't just get into the word. Let the word get into you, right? Open up your heart to the word. Open up your heart to the Lord and say, you know what, God, whatever your word says, I want to get it into me. And that means that what the word says, it may come face to face with an opinion you have, something you've been taught. You know, some people are raised in totally different backgrounds from each, from each other spiritually, right? In our church here, we're a spirit-filled church. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in a supernatural prayer language called tongues. And for a lot of people, that may be brand new. I was raised in an Alliance church till I was 14, and so I had never heard of speaking in tongues. The benefit for me was I was so young and I knew absolutely nothing (laughs) that when my youth pastor showed it to me in the word, I was like, yeah, sure, pray, right? That's so lovely. But a lot of us, when we see something in the word that is fresh or new, like perhaps healing, perhaps when God says that you should change your attitudes and opinions and have your mind renewed, (laughs) Perhaps when we see that in the word, don't just observe it. Don't just read it. Open your heart up and let that word get in you. Taste. Everyone say taste. 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 him. You don't have to turn there, but in James chapter 4, verse 8, you know when it says, come close to God and he'll come close to you, right? Well, there's a translation, the Passion Translation, that says move your heart closer and closer to God. You want to taste more of God? It's going to be a heart thing. It's always a heart thing with him, right? Open up your heart. Open up your heart. Let him rework some things in your heart. You know, Joel and I have been on the love of God for us personally for at least a year now. Isn't that kind of funny as people who pastor a church that we are just really just now getting the revelation that God loves me? Because I have had no problem looking at you and being like, man, God loves Cheryl, right? Or man, God loves Courtney. But we've been stuck on that revelation because we've decided to open up our hearts to God in that area, and he's reworking some things in us. Apparently, both of us more so thought that we had to do a few things in order for God to love us deeply, right? Didn't believe that about you. Thought that about ourselves because we're, um, we're kind of a little bit like this. Like... Always go, 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 right? We're letting him rework some things in us. I encourage you, let him rework some things in your heart. You know, talking about tasting, there's a lot of things that have to be experienced in order to be known. So, fire. Anyone ever touched fire, been burned, right? No one could come convince you now that fire is cold, right? You've experienced it so you know fire is hot. Now, the same thing with honey. Honey is sweet. Honey is not spicy. Honey is not sour, right? If you have experienced honey, you know that it's sweet. Here's the thing. When you come into contact with the life-changing love of God, the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, when you come into contact with that, no one can convince you otherwise. Right? Take healing for an example. When, If you have experienced healing in your body in any way, there is no way that someone could convince you, healing's not for you. Healing's not for today. Could you be convinced otherwise? I couldn't. No. My body has been healed in numerous ways. One specifically was that we wanted to have kids. We had traveled and done some stuff. Oh, sorry. And, and thought, hey, we really have it on our heart that we're feeling this is now is the time. And so, you know, there's things you can do in the natural to have kids. We, people did ask us, well, don't you guys know how it works? Yes, we knew how it worked. It just <laughs> happened to take a little bit longer for us. It took a couple of years, actually. But God healed something in our bodies. We didn't even know what, what was going off, but we believed him. He healed something in our bodies so that now those kids, they are just coming. Right? Joel's words, he's like, you're always pregnant. (laughs) Two-way street. But no one can convince me that healing is not for me, that healing is not for today, because I've tasted it. I've come into contact with it, right? I know each one of you have a testimony in that way, too. Right. For someone, it may be forgiveness. No one can tell you that God's mad at you, because you have experienced his forgiveness, and you have experienced his grace, so tasting and experiencing him, man, that is a crave changer, right? If you haven't known that side of God, you know what? Get in here and taste it because it's going to change you. It's going to change your crave. I'm going to take a look at Ephesians 3, verse 19. Um, in a lot of versions, it doesn't bring it out this way, but in the Amplified, it brings out the, um, the tasting and, and, and experiencing God's side. So in the Amplified, let me read it to you. It's, this is in the middle of Paul's prayer, and it says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Do you see that? Yeah. Tasting something through experience for yourself completely trumps just knowledge, yeah. right? If you're just going to read the word and you're going to get more and more and more just knowledge, these aren't my words. you know what my husband would call that? That type of person is annoying. <laughs> if all you have is knowledge and you're just spouting off scripture, well, the word says, well, the word says, but you haven't actually experienced that the God of this word, man, you haven't encountered him. It says, through experience for yourselves is so much better than just knowledge without experience. I shared yesterday that scripture used to be our theme verse for the kids' ministry here. When Joel and I took it over, we said, hey, that's, that's going to be our verse. Because what does the next generation need? Of course, they, they need to be biblically literate. They need to know some things in here, right? Yeah. Of course, they need to hear how good God's been to you. Like, don't stop telling the next generation about how awesome God is, because that's actually, in the Psalms, it says that's how God set it up. But more so than either of those, what does the next generation need? They need to experience the love of God for themselves, because it's far better than just hearing someone else's knowledge about it. So I encourage you, if you're a mom, if you're a grandma, if you're dad, if you're a grandpa, or if you're just here in the church, because you're all part of our family, let's do that for the next generation let's let them experience God for themselves so let's jump back super quick to first Peter because when you look at all this together man desiring and craving the word why or how it's answered right there for us in that verse 3 it's because we have tasted him and what part of him have we tasted In this verse, it uses two things, the goodness and the kindness of God. So I just want to take our last little bit of time here talking a little bit about the goodness, about the kindness of God. I'm just going to read this quote to you real quick. This is from Matthew Henry. Um, He wrote a commentary on the Bible. A lot of people use that when they're studying. And it says, to drink the milk of the word is to taste again and again and again again what God is like. And God is good. He is so good. So another crave changer is to focus on the goodness of God. Now, I said last night, this is how God spoke to me. He gives me lots of like visuals or object lessons. And I thought, hey, well, I don't want to just keep this to myself. I'm going to do this for you guys. This is my box from home. And if you can't see back there, it says in big letters, goodness. This is God. His very essence is good. He doesn't just do good, right? He is good. Now, in his goodness, this is how God showed it to me, that in his goodness, everything flows out of that. So, what flows out of his goodness? His love for us flows out of his goodness. His forgiveness is not because you did something right. It's not because you Realized how horrible you've been and did all these things to make it up. It's because of his goodness, his kindness towards us that he offers forgiveness. You know, you can walk in forgiveness so strongly that regardless of what you have done, it doesn't have a hold on you anymore. You can be completely set free by forgiveness. All because God is good. That flows out of his goodness. Do you notice this box does not say your good works. like All these things don't flow out of you doing the right thing or you being so great. What else flows out of his goodness is blessing, right? Man, the world, it's all about toil, toil, work, harder, harder. In the kingdom of God, it's, man, I love you, and I've got good things for you, right? What else flows out? Mercy. Oh, man, we do not know how merciful God has been to us, do we? I don't even really want, I was going to say, one day we might find out. I don't even really want to (laughs) know. I mean, he has saved us from some stuff that we really deserved the punishment, and he's saved us from that. Man, his mercy. What else? Faithfulness. His faithfulness towards you, like the fact that he thinks about you with love. Love continually. That's his faithfulness. Right? He doesn't change his mind based on the fact that you messed up. You know, even in the natural, Joel and I, we have got, we've got a strong marriage. We've got got a healthy marriage. That doesn't mean that we don't get annoyed when the other one messes up, right? We still do. God doesn't look at you that way. He's not human like that. His love is not human love. His goodness is not human goodness. He's so faithful to you that he looks at you just as if you've never sinned. Now that flows out of his goodness to you. And lastly, healing. His healing for you, it was purchased on the cross alongside forgiveness. It's not like, oh, God forgave your sins when Jesus died on the cross. No, Jesus was beaten and tortured. No, Jesus was beaten and tortured, and every stripe that he took was for our healing as well. And that flows out of God's goodness towards you. You know, if you have been struggling to receive healing, I would just encourage you, meditate on God's goodness, because it's not about what do I have to do to get this? What do I have to do to get this? It's how good He is. No, I don't this is my only object, unfortunately, but I had another object lesson. The way God speaks to me again is through visuals. And He showed me this long, long rope. right? So this rope, imagine is laid out from that wall to that wall. And he said, you know, when you're, when you're trying to receive something from me, so I'm just going to keep camping out on healing. If you're trying to receive something like healing from me, he said, you've got to emphasize what I did, not your part. Because we do have a part to play, and that's in the receiving or responding. So if you imagine this long rope, all the way from that wall to almost all the way to that wall, except for one inch, let's say, is God's part. It's what he provided for us. That one tiny little notch at the very end would be, oh, and also, you need to actually believe it and respond to it. That's it. So easy, right? It's all because of his goodness towards us. So let me just read you a couple quick scriptures on his goodness, because that's what I've been doing in my personal life, is just meditating on that goodness. You know, I asked God when I was preparing, I said, hey, God, what's that scripture on your goodness? You know what he said? Every scripture (laughs) points to my goodness. I was like, ooh, touche. (laughs) That's really good. But I did, then I said, like, no, like, really, I'm looking for a specific scripture. (laughs) And it's Exodus 33. So if you want to turn there, Exodus 33, verse uh, 19. So this is Moses. Moses was a craver, right? He obviously implemented a lot of the things from my message because... He craved God. And Moses is meeting with God. And Moses is telling him, God, please do not leave us. Like, you've got to go with us. If you don't go with us, I am not leaving from this place. And then Moses asks God. You know, this is a total side note. What Moses asked God here is super bold. I want to be this bold. He says, God, please, show me your glorious presence. Show me your glory. God's glory is like his, his character, his nature, his essence. Moses says, show me your glory. And guess what God's response is in verse 19? The Lord replied, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. Moses said, show me your glory. Show me who you are, God. And God said, okay, sure. I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. I'm going to show you my goodness. Now, again, no word in here is wasted. That word is strategic. He could have used any word there, but he used the word goodness. Everything God is is wrapped up in that goodness. I will show you my goodness. Who God is is heavy with everything good. God desperately wants to show us his goodness. If you look at Psalm 23, verse 6, lots of us know this psalm, and it's um, the psalm like, The Lord is my shepherd. It's really great. It's by David. There's a verse near the end that really got me. It says, in verse 6, it says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Man, David knew something, didn't he? Like, Moses knew something. Moses knew if I ask God to show me who he is, he's going to show me. And then in this verse... David knew something to be able to say, "Surely your goodness and your mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life." He knew something about God. He had tasted something about God, right? And he, what he had tasted of, is that God was good. God is wanting to be good to us. And you know, when I read that verse, to be very honest with you, I was a little bit startled at my response because I asked myself am I actually believing this verse in my life? Because David is so confident here. Surely, like we don't really use that word right now, but of course your goodness is gonna pursue me. Like he's saying, of course God, your goodness is going after me. Like your goodness is going out towards me. And I asked myself, am I actually believing this? And my answer was no, not, not to the extent that I want to. And I asked God, hey, why, where, where am I off here? Like, why am I not thinking like David where I'm actually looking for it? I'm actually expecting you to be good to me. And he said, Jamie, you have to let me be good to you. Like these things in God's goodness, just think of them as these are a steady stream, like a lightsaber beam. Is that right, Eric? A light, yeah, it's like a, <laughs> like a laser. These things are like pew, 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 going out at you, right? But you could easily hold up a shield and be like, ah, "No, I don't want that. I don't want that, right? You have got to let him be good. Say this with me: Let him be good to me. Well, to you, but same thing. Got to let him be good. I'm just going to close with this one song up. Psalm 107, verse nine, and it says, "For he satisfies; for God satisfies the thirsty." and fills the hungry with good things. If you are hungry for him, if you are craving him, you are expecting him, he's going to fill you. Those good things, they are going to pursue you all the days of your life. And you know what? Getting more into this crave, you know what's the first thing we realized? The first day Joel preached on this. The first thing he emphasized was, Here we are thinking, yeah, I want to crave God more, but really, he's the one craving us. And because he craved us, we turn around and want to crave him, right? We've got a God who wants us to know him. He wants us close. That is the most beautiful thing to me, that the God who made the heavens and the earth, he wasn't satisfied to have us at a distance, right? He needed us close. He needed us so badly that he sends his own son to die for us so that he could j- just so he could have us back. So if that's the way God thinks about us, why would we waste a single day? Like, why would we go forward and, uh, even one more day with not turning around and saying, God, you pursued me, I want to pursue you. And you know, that's the starting place. It, it doesn't have to be this huge, miraculous thing because probably it's not going to be. It's just a response in your heart, God, I see it in your word that you're good and I, 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 don't, I didn't even know that before. Maybe, I, maybe you've never heard God's good. Lots of people still think he's mad at him. Well, now you've heard it today and all we've gotta do is just respond to him. Let me tell you one more thing that the word says. When you're responding to the goodness of God, do what Psalm 37 says. It says, feed on his faithfulness. if you want to experience more of the goodness of God don't go over your shortcomings over and over and over don't critique yourself over and over and man could have done that more oh yeah I'm supposed to crave the word and I didn't even get into the word this whole week don't go over your list of shortcomings feed on his faithfulness go over how good he's been to you and you know what if you're just getting to know him and you can only think of one thing like well I've got well I've got well I've got here we'll go over that God you've been so faithful give me life I'm alive for a lot of you who know who Jesus is you can say well thank God I'm not going to hell man that's something to feed on but this will I guarantee you this will change your crave if you want to get into the word more but you're like I just find it dry I just I'm not there it will change your crave if you focus on how good he is you're like man he's he's that good and i, I want to find out more of how good he is to me so can you stand with us today aaron's going to lead us in um the last song that we sung. i want you to alongside aaron and i respond to his goodness respond to how good he has been to you how good he's been to your family how good he's been to your kids or your grandkids. let's respond with our heart but you know what you can outwardly show him you're responding I'm, sh- I'm short, so I better get up here. You can show him by this. This is an act of surrender. Lord, let's do that together. Lord, we, we respond to you, Lord. We've seen in your word how good you are. And right now, we want to taste that goodness. We want to experience it for ourselves, Father. And so we stand at attention, our hearts and our arms open to you, Father. Let's sing this together.